Welcome to the Buick Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and on this podcast, we dive deep into the outdoors. We discuss hunting and fishing techniques, give you tips and tricks, tell stories, and everything in between to help you enjoy the outdoors. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Buick Outdoors Podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and before we get into this episode, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube and you want to listen to it, head over to pretty well any major podcast platform and search up the Buick Outdoors podcast if you just want to listen to it. Uh, if you are just listening to it and you want to watch the video version, head over to our YouTube channel and there'll be a podcast playlist uh, as well as there's a playlist for all of our other outdoor adventures, hunting, fishing, exploring, cooking. Uh, there's a little bit of everything for everyone and then while you're over there, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. This podcast is brought to you by Northbound Gear. Northbound Gear is designed for maneuverability and durability and is made to last through even the toughest of elements. My go-to for their pants is the water resistance adventure pants and their lined waterproof jeans. I've worn them while out ice fishing, crawling through the woods bear hunting, and on the west coast out on the boat. And I even wear them around when I'm having a lazy day at the house. They are that comfortable. They also offer jackets, summer pants, backpacks, and many more. Men's and women's sizes are available, and by partnering with One Tree Planted, you're planting a tree with every purchase. Check them out for yourself at northboundgear.co, and when you use my promo code SHELDON15 at checkout, you'll receive 15% off your order. That's northboundgear.co and promo code SHELDON15. Hey everyone, welcome back to another podcast. Uh, the other day, me and Rocky we went out to the woods there, and we uh, we did a little bit of a gear review and testing of a uh, little survival kit that we picked up from uh, Canadian Tire. And, uh, you know, after doing that video, I really want to talk about survival kits. Uh, you know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned when you're uh, getting into this stuff. Uh, especially when it comes to things like survival kits, uh, you know, a lot of people when they before they head out to the woods or something, you, you know, you might go to a store and you see a survival kit and you decide to pick it up just in case, and then that way you kind of have one. But you know, the majority of them are uh, they're not very good. I uh, you know there was a lot of cons in the one that I picked up. Uh, you know, I bought it just to buy it and. Uh, test it out uh if you want to check out that video it'll be up here sometime around uh the end of august i believe but uh you know it wasn't that good and it made me really think about uh what should go into kind of like the basic uh survival kit and uh so i made up a little list of a good starting point it's not a bomb proof type one uh you know with survival kits you build them to where you need them kind of a thing uh what you need in northern canada is going to be a lot different than what you're going to need in you know what arizona or something like that you know what i mean uh so like the list that i have made up here it's a good starting point but when it comes down to it you need to build these to your specifications and to where uh, to where you're going to be using them. Uh, 
you know, and like the first things right off the hop is that it should be in a waterproof case. Uh, if you fall in a lake, a river, creek, or if it just rains on you, and all of your survival equipment gets wet, uh, you're already off to a bad start. Uh, another pro to having a waterproof case is good at keeping water out. But with that being said, it's also going to be good at keeping water in. So if you need to store water, empty your kit out in a safe place. Take your waterproof bag, go to the creek or river or lake, wherever it is that you're getting your water, or if it's just rainwater, you know, fill it up. And depending on the size of your case, you now have potentially like one or two liters of water. Uh, after that, uh, I wrote down that you should have at minimal at least a knife, uh, you know, a multi tool is better whether it's like a Leatherman Swiss Army knife something like that and you know that is one thing that you don't want to cheap out on uh, you know you can buy the cheapo kind of multi tools at Walmart kind of thing that are all plastic and soft steel and stuff but it's not gonna do you any good when uh, when you don't have an edge on your knife or the saw breaks when you're trying to cut spruce willows or whatever the case may be you know so you know it's one of those things where you don't really want to spend the money but if you're ever in a survival situation you're gonna be very happy that you spent 110 dollars on one of the leatherman super tools instead of 15 dollars on the where walmart special multi-tool uh so, yeah, you have to kind of take that stuff into consideration. Uh, also, multiple fire starters. I don't know how many times I had a lighter with me in my pocket. Went out somewhere, go to light a, light, uh, go to light a fire, and for some reason, lighter doesn't work. The flint broke and knocked off, or it got all wet, whatever the case may be. You know, a good flint and steel that actually works. There's a lot out there that, uh, you know, they cost five, ten bucks. And some of them work flawlessly. Others are terrible. Uh, some of them, too, they come, it's like a block of magnesium with the steel on top, like the ferrule rod on top. And what those ones are for is you take your magnesium and you scrape it off into a pile, and then you flip it over, and use a knife or a steel that comes with it, and you go on the ferrule rod, and that sparks uh, pretty well, and that spark hits the pile of magnesium, which flares up, and then from there, you have like your grass bundle, or whatever it is that you're using, you know, birch bark, uh, old man's beard, whatever it is that you're using for your fire starter, and, uh, you know, it starts a fire very quickly. Uh, same with matches. I always have at least a box of matches. Uh, you know, there's like the windproof matches and waterproof matches that you can buy. A lot of times, though, is all that is, is it's like a match that they dipped the tip in like candle wax. But then the box itself isn't waterproof. So if you get the box wet 
you have no striker. Uh, the wood isn't encased in wax, so even though you can strike it, you can get a big flare up, and then it just kind of goes out. Because it flares up, it hits your wet matches, and it goes out. Uh, there are windproof matches, but I really don't like those. Just to me, they they seem dangerous. Uh, I've messed around with them a couple of times now, and uh, I I really don't like them at all. Uh, they burn extremely hot, and it's like a violent fire. And if you ever screw up and drop it and you start something else on fire or whatever the case may be, you cannot put those matches out. Uh, there's some that are kind of windproof and waterproof, and... There was one that kind of burnt underwater, so I don't know what kind of a chemical reaction that they had in the matchstick itself, but, like, I don't like those ones, just because in case, you know, if you burn your fingers and you drop it, and then it starts the grass on fire, you can put the grass out, but that match is still going to be going like crazy. Uh, for me, the best thing that I would recommend if you want some sort of, uh, uh, kind of like a waterproof case for your matches is you get just a box of regular old wood matches take a whatever it is handful of them out and you grab a pill bottle uh, like a prescription pill bottle with the rubber rim on the inside the one they have to push down and turn to open like the childproof ones and you put whatever it is 20 matches inside your pill bottle and then you'd actually take the striker strip uh off the box of matches and just rip it into a, a chunk that's as long as the pill bottle and stuff that right inside with your matches put the lid on you're good to go water can't get in it uh it's in a nice little compact case and it's always going to be nice and close and handy uh and then with matches or with lighters you can get like just a regular Bic lighter. I mean, you can buy a five pack for whatever it is, $15 or whatever. Or you can buy like the little butane and gas torch ones too. They work really good. Uh, the only problem with those ones is they run out of fluid really fast. Uh, so you got to be kind of careful with them. Uh, and then next on the list is space blankets. Uh you know, this week was the first time I've ever actually used one, and I was very surprised. Uh, to use it as a blanket itself, it's a little, it's a little hit and miss. Uh, what I would suggest is having two of them. Uh, they, when you buy them brand new, they fold up in this tiny little package. You know, it's maybe three inches wide, six inches tall, maybe not even that. And, man, it's only like a quarter of an inch deep kind of thing. And maybe a little bit more. But, you know, if you have two of them, you can use one as like the blanket type deal or a ground sheet. And then the other one you can use as a shelter, which I would highly, highly recommend. Uh, even when I was out in the bush here the other day, I had just a, a really small fire. Like maybe... You know, like a 10 inch wide fire kind of a thing burning and with that space blanket i put it over my shoulders and i just kind of draped it kind of like a dome so the fire was in front of me and just from that 
small, tiny little fire. I could feel the heat of that fire coming up and kind of hitting the back of that space blanket and reflecting the heat back onto me. And like the amount of warmth that I got just from doing that was just amazing. Uh, so what I would suggest if you have two space blankets is I would build a shelter with one. Just a, even a simple lean-to shelter or drape it over a, a log or whatever and have your fire out front or whatever. But as long as the heat is able to come up and reflect off that space blanket and back down onto you, you'll be extremely comfortable. Uh, plus the one that came in my kit there, uh, it had like the typical tinfoil looking stuff on the inside. And then on the outside, it was like an orange, almost like a rubbery feeling so i mean it's gonna be waterproof it reflects a ton of heat and uh it actually worked fairly well uh the only issue i had with mine was i was sleeping directly on the ground on the moss and i think what ended up happening was just my body heat from laying on the ground was enough to kind of pull the moisture up out of the moss and then when it came up and it hit the, the top of the space blanket, uh, you know, obviously they're not going to be breathable. So what ended up happening is it collected a lot of moisture throughout the night. So when I woke up in the morning, I had to build a fire. And it wasn't uh, to warm up necessarily. Like I was a little bit chilly, but it was mainly just to dry off. And, you know, you, I wasn't completely soaking wet. I, it was just kind of like that morning dew kind of a feeling. Uh, you know, you, when you wake up in the early morning, you see like the wet grass or like the moisture on your pickup or whatever. It was like that, but on the inside of that space blanket. Uh, so you got to be a little mindful about that. Uh, another thing that a guy should really have too is something to purify water. Uh, you know, if I was building this kit, it would be like a small, well, small-ish, as small as you can get it, like compact, uh, survival kit. So in this case, I would use something like, uh, Aquatabs. Uh, I think this, it's NADCC, so it's sodium chloride something or other. It's, it's kind of like a, a type of chlorine tablets. Uh, but they come in like really small packages. Uh, I think you can buy 30 of them for 15 bucks or something like that. I I can't remember. I haven't looked at them in a long time, so you have to uh, you have to check on my uh, prices there. But you know they're tiny little tablets, and I believe I want to say one tablet will clean one liter of water in 30 minutes so you if you have a liter of water you take one tablet put it in there shake it up a little and you just let it sit for 30 minutes and i want to say that they pretty well nuke everything including giardia uh and so for us up here in the north that is a major one is getting rid of giardia uh you know typically we don't have to worry about you know like hepatitis in our water or salmonella or maybe a little bit of e coli but for us our main one that you have to worry about is giardia which is beaver fever and if you don't know what giardia is it's basically beaver poop in the water uh so like any standing water 
or even some slow-moving waters, there's there's a big potential of Giardia being in there and E. coli as well. Uh, we have a lot of farmers and ranchers in this area where the cows go down to whatever, the Blueberry River, take a drink, take a dump, walk away. Now if you're downstream where your canoe flipped over, you fill up your water from there, you're going to get cow poop in your water. Uh, well, there's also a lot of beaver <laughs> on the blueberry too, so uh, you're going to have beaver poop in your water too. So that's where you really want something that's actually tested and proven to work for sure on that stuff. And, uh, you know, with Giardia too, like, you really, really, really don't want to get that. Uh, you know, the symptoms of Giardia, it, it can kick in within a day or two, up to like a couple weeks later. Uh, for some reason or whatever, I guess it just affects people differently. Uh, but the symptoms is like diarrhea, stomach cramps, stomach pain, uh, nausea, dehydration. And in some people, they have chronic diarrhea for several weeks to months after drinking that contaminated water. So it's definitely something that you do not want. Uh, the good thing though is, is if you do get Giardia, uh, and you happen to get to the hospital right away, if you went into the hospital and said, hey, look, I drank some terrible water, pretty sure it's Giardia, they'll set you up with antibiotics, and by the sounds of it, within like a couple of days, it's gone out of your system. Uh, but that's only with the proper antibiotics and pills and whatever else it is that you need to uh to get out of your system otherwise uh the symptoms could last a couple weeks could last a couple months could be uh indefinite uh everything you read up on it whether it's wikipedia webmd uh government of bc has one on there uh you know there's everybody has different opinions on how long it'll last uh so yeah it's <laughs> it's best just to avoid it uh, by all means necessary uh one thing you can do too is boil your water uh but you know with this survival kit uh, i'm trying to make it so where it's small and compact and you don't have to bring extra stuff like something like a cup it doesn't sound like much, but when you have a small little kit, you can't just grab a cup and fold it up and tuck it in the corner kind of thing. And it's just more stuff that you can be bringing. Uh, that's why, you know, things like your waterproof case, it doubles as a water storage. But, uh, yeah, if you boil your water, I think the rule of thumb for killing Giardia and E. coli and Salmonella is if you boil your water for five minutes i think it is will kill everything uh so you know you do have that option if you have a container to boil water in uh next thing on the list is paracord uh and i'm not saying paracord because that's just the new in thing paracord actually is a phenomenal nylon rope uh if you have i don't know say 10 feet of it so paracord it's made out of uh braided cords then it has like the outside coating on it uh and with with the paracord if you cut that outside coating off on the inside you can unbraid it so if you have 10 feet of it i i want to believe 
I want to say that it's seven cords that are all braided on the inside. I, I could be wrong. I can't quite remember. But even if it is only seven, once you cut the outside uh, coating off and you unbraid everything, if you have 10 feet of paracord, once you unbraid it all, you have like 70 feet of cord. That's all extremely strong and you can use that stuff for a ton of things. Uh, you know, the main one would be like building a shelter or building a little tripod, uh, tying your tarps up, hanging meat up, you know, whatever. Like there's so many uses for paracord and just kind of cordage in general. Uh, another thing that's a great idea to have is some sort of snare wire. Uh, if you go to like, you know, your, whatever your regular old PV Mart, Canadian Tire, Walmart, whatever, you can buy these small little rolls of rabbit snare wire, and they come between 20 and 24, maybe even 26 gauge, and they go up by two, so there's 20, 22, 24, and 26 gauge, uh, and it's kind of like a, a shotgun. The higher the gauge, the smaller the cord, so like a 22 or 24 would be probably best for kind of all-purpose kind of a thing uh with the 20 gauge it 20 gauge is the best for rabbit snare wire uh the only problem is if you're snaring you know like squirrels sometimes they don't quite have enough weight to really tighten it up enough to actually kill them ethically so and you know it's survival situation you know survival is survival if you happen to catch a squirrel and you got to finish the job you know so be it uh but we're gonna try our best not to do that uh and then if you go too thin like if you have 26 gauge and you catch a rabbit there's a good chance that him just kind of kicking with his feet he's just gonna snap that wire off so like a 22 gauge would probably be about best for the snares uh and those things too, if you go to Canadian Tire or wherever, normally you can get like a 25-foot roll for, I don't know, around 5 bucks, I think. Like it's very cheap and inexpensive. And even if you have, I don't know, two or three of those, you can make a pile of snares uh, with, you know, 50 feet of snare wire. Uh, and you... If you use them right, you can reuse them. So, I mean, you know, they can last quite a while as long as you don't get a rabbit that got into your snare wire and kicked with his feet and twisted it all up. But, like, squirrels, if you have, like, a running pole set, they run, that snare catches them underneath their chin, they hit the end of it, they fall off the side, it cuts off the blood supply to the brain, and within 30 seconds, they're knocked out. They don't feel anything after that. And within two minutes, you know, basically you got a meal. So with that being said, uh, you know, you can actually feed yourself <laughs> if you have some snare wire. Uh, I know a lot of kits, including the one that I tested out, it came with fishing line. And I think it was four fish hooks about size eight and then two tiny little split shots. And it's a good idea. But the amount of fishing line that they give you, it 
man, it might have been 10 feet. So, it's better than nothing. But at the end of the day, it's almost useless. Uh, you know, you would be able to catch a fish with that. However, uh, what am I going to use that for out here? We, I don't have any lakes or streams that are very close that I can catch fish in. Uh, but typically if you're around a lake that does have fish, there's going to be rabbits. There's going to be, uh, squirrels, you know, there's other stuff that you can catch too. So I'd, I would lean heavier on, uh, snare wire instead of fishing supplies, just because fishing supplies up here doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, you can't use it everywhere where with the snare wire, you pretty much can use it anywhere. And, you know, honestly, if you got real creative and you found a little channel where fish were swimming through, I bet you would be able to make, like, a little corral with willows or something, stick them up in, like, a V, and at the end of that V, have, like, an anchor in there and set up a snare and catch fish with a snare. You know, it... That would have to be, like, a perfect situation where you'd have to find where they're kind of swimming, but... It's not exactly impossible. With that being said, you could also probably make a snare out of fishing line. Uh, how you would prop it up, though, would be a bit of a struggle. But, I mean, you know, things can be done. Uh, but, with all that being said, I would lean more towards having snare wire instead of fishing line. Uh also, another great thing to have is some sort of light. You can buy headlamps now, like the one that uh, Shelby just bought me. It's a tiny little thing. It's maybe an inch long, half inch high, and maybe half inch deep kind of thing. The problem with that, though, is that's an internal battery that you had to plug with the USB. Uh, so in this case, what I would do is I would get one of those, like... Uh, I think it was an Energizer headlamp that I got from Walmart. They're like 25 or 30 bucks, and they keep, they use, it's either three AAA or two AA batteries. And then with that being said, you can bring your headlamp, uh, bring extra batteries, and man, you're good to go. Uh, and something like a headlamp, you know, it it's extra weight, and it is slightly bulky. But when you're doing something at night or at dusk and you need light, a headlamp is just phenomenal. Some people say bring a flashlight instead, but with a headlamp, you can put it on your head. It's the same weight, roughly the same size as small head uh, flashlights. And uh, you, know, you can work hands-free. You don't have to sit there with your hand on a flashlight or have a flashlight in your mouth. You know, you just... Throw the headlamp onto your head, turn it on, you got your hands free, you can do whatever it is that you need to do, and you're good to go. Uh, one thing too that I noticed with a lot of these survival kits that you can just buy off the shelf is a lot of them don't have any first aid in it at all. Uh, you know, even something as simple as like a handful of band-aids. Uh, you know, a couple of triangle band-aids, a roll of gauze, tensor bandage, and like some first aid tape. 
it sounds like a lot, but I mean, really, if you have 15 band-aids, it's going to be a stack this high, you know, like whatever. So if you only have like five band-aids, triangle bandages, they've, they come in little packages that look like a wet nap. Well, some of them do, but even them, you know, if you have two of them, they're, they don't take up much room. They don't weigh anything whatsoever. So, you know, like a roll of gauze and, you know, tensor bandage and maybe a couple of those little alcohol wipes too. If you do get a cut out in the bush, especially, it can get infected so fast. So if you get a cut, if you have your little alcohol wipes, you can give it a good little clean, wipe it off, put a band-aid on it, and you're good to go. Now you're pretty well, not exactly perfectly fine, but your chances are going to be much better. And like, even something as simple as like, you nicked your finger when you're, whatever, splitting some kindling. At home, it's not a big deal. It's a little cut. Out in the bush, in a survival situation, that could potentially kill you. Because if that gets infected, it could cause gangrene. Gangrene could get into your blood. Blood obviously throughout your entire body. If it gets to that point, you're pretty well, you know, there's a good chance you're going to die. So that's why, like, when you're in these survival situations, you have to be extremely mindful of what you're doing. Uh... You know, one thing I don't like is, like, those in-reaches and stuff like that. Uh, because it gives you a really, really false sense of hope. Uh, you know, it's like, if I do something stupid, it's okay because I have this device that I can get help. It's not a big deal. So then you start cutting towards yourself. You start making those stupid jumps. Uh, you start climbing a tree. You don't watch where you step. For me... I pay way more attention if I know that if I get hurt, I am screwed. Because then I pay attention. Before I take a step, I look down. Before I grab a branch, I test it. Before I cut something, I make sure if something slips, I'm not going to cut myself. I am way more cautious when I'm in an area where I am 911. You know, if you do not have any way to get a hold of somebody to help you out you're either gonna die a stupid death or you're going to be mindful of every little thing that you do because every little thing could turn into a, a huge thing uh so you know just be careful when you're out there <laughs> i kind of rambled on about that that's not part of the survival kit uh but anyways uh, another good thing to have is uh, a whistle. Uh, old school days, you know, it was always like the uh, the little mirror, the signal mirrors. I don't know about you, but I have no idea how to use one of them. You give me a whistle, I know how to use a whistle. Plus, out here, uh, there's not a lot of air traffic. And really, if I see a plane, if I have a fire going, a smoke signal is going to work better than a flash. Uh, out here, we don't have enough people that go missing or whatever while they're right out hiking for a pilot to get flashed by a mirror and for them to know what's going on. Uh, if anything, it's going to be an irritant. Uh, but if you have a signal fire, 
Who knows? It's probably going to be the same thing. Pilot might look down and go, huh, somebody's having a fire. And he's not even going to think twice. He's just going to keep on flying, right? But, uh, but with the whistle, it's nice because if somebody is out searching for you, uh, you know, if it's search and rescue, a friend or whatever, if they start calling your name, uh, you know, if you're extremely dehydrated, your voice isn't going to really work all that great. Uh, your throat's going to be dry and scratchy. You're not going to be able to yell out very loud. However, it doesn't take much to go and blow a whistle. Uh, so, you know, a whistle is a great thing to have. Plus, that high-pitched tone of a whistle carries through the trees way better than your voice yelling out. Uh, and then also, uh, some sort of, like, allergy relief and uh, pain relievers. Uh, you know, Benadryl is a great all-around allergy pill. Uh, it's one of those things where if you're having an, uh, an allergic reaction out in the woods, it's, you're going to be thanking the stars that you have Benadryl. Uh, if you're like me and you have like hay fever or something like that, don't waste it on that. You know, just deal with the runny nose and deal with the sneezing. Because if you have whatever, an allergic reaction to something bad, uh, that's gonna be when you want it, you know. I'm running nose, sneezing, and your eyes itch a little bit. Nah, don't worry about it. Suck it up. Another good thing to have is the pain relievers. Uh, with them, you know, if you if you happen to like break your leg or something like that, pain relievers aren't really gonna do much for your pain. Uh, however, if you pull a muscle or sprain an ankle or something like that, uh, then they will work pretty good and you're going to be pretty thankful that you have them uh even if it's just enough pain relief so you can kind of get yourself set up for the next night or the next day or whatever so you can just sit back and relax and you have your pile of wood there or you went out and you're able to check your snares and you got a couple of squirrels skinned and ready to go whatever the case may be you know uh, some pain relievers do help out quite a lot. And uh, I can't remember where it was that I seen them. But I know you, you can get them where they're... It's about the size of like a wet nap. And it comes with like two Benadryl. And then I want to say that you can get the same thing. But it's like Advil or something like that. And uh, so those are pretty, pretty useful to have. Uh, you know, those little things are like inch and a half inch and a half square you just rip it open the paper with like a plastic coating on the inside so if they do get wet it shouldn't soak all the way through but you can also buy those real small pill bottles where they only hold like kind of 10 pills you know buy a couple of them and you're you'll be good to go but uh with all that being said and if you have all the gear even in the world, if you have like a, a 20 pound survival kit, you are never going to be prepared unless you actually test your gear. Uh, you know, like with a kit that I just kind of laid out here, it's not going to be very big. It might be a pound or two, maybe. 
yeah, we'll say about two pounds of stuff. Just because there is a couple of bulky things like, you know, a multi-tool, headlamp, batteries, kind of a thing. So there's going to be a little bit of weight. But for the most part, this is a great, small, compact, lightweight survival kit to kind of to get you going. And it kind of covers all your bases. Uh, but with that being said, make sure you know how to use a flint and steel. If you have one for a survival situation, I would much rather build a couple fires in my backyard and go, okay, yeah, I now know how to use this and I'll figure it out while I'm in a controlled environment in my backyard where if I don't get a fire going, the only thing that happens is I come inside and Shelby sitting there pointing at me and laughing going, haha, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, oh shit. I might die of hypothermia tonight because I don't know how to use a flint and steel. I'd rather deal with a little bit of embarrassment from the wife instead of being dead in the cold. You know what I mean? Uh, so with that all being said, you know, just like try this out when it comes to things like the aqua tabs, you can buy a pack of 30. You don't need 30 in your survival kit. Take two tabs, test it out. See if that water upsets your stomach. Again, something like an upset stomach when you're at home. Sure, it sucks. You're not feeling too good. Whatever. You sit back and you relax on the couch until it goes away. If you're in a survival situation, that could potentially kill you. You have to be moving. You have to be proactive. You have to be doing stuff. And you have to be preparing constantly for the next night, the next day, the next week whatever it is uh so test it out grab a liter of water even it's just clean tap water whatever you're not testing the water you're testing the tablets to see how it affects you you know it might not have any effects on you at all it might give you explosive diarrhea you <laughs> you never know how this stuff is going to affect you until you test it I would rather, again, I'd rather have explosive diarrhea at home where I have a nice little toilet that I can go and sit on instead of being in a survival situation with no fire because I didn't test my flint and steel at home. And also, I'm out back hugging a tree, you know, crapping my brains out because <laughs> I didn't test this. And if it does do that to you, try a different one. There's more than just one water purification tabs uh there's also other methods you can use there's a life straw you can buy uh there's the gravity feed one where it's kind of like a life straw but it comes with a little bag that you collect your water in you connect that to your little whatever it is gravity feed filter then underneath is another water containment that the clean water drips into you know those are good to have the only problem with those is that they take up quite a bit of room uh, but if you're not too worried about it, give her, uh, same with like your paracord. If you have, if you buy a thing of 50 feet of it, cut a foot off and cut the outer coating out off there, you know, and unbraid it. See if you can actually do it at home. Again, I'd rather screw this up at home and go, huh, well, that was a waste. Toss it in the garbage and try it again. Instead of being out in survival situation going, well, that was a waste. Uh, 
now I'm kind of going to be struggling to build a shelter or whatever it is that you're going to use it for, right? <clears throat> Same with, like, snares and stuff. Uh, the unfortunate thing with snares is if you want to test it out, uh, I don't know the best way of saying it, but basically it's illegal. However, I won't tell anybody if I see you out testing snares. <laughs> and like, you know, when it comes to snare building, it, I don't know, it's a gray area. If you're using snares for rabbits and squirrels, I really don't think anybody's going to cause much of an issue with that. Uh, I mean, if you're snaring like lynx and coyotes and stuff, yeah, that's, that's definitely illegal. Uh, but if you're testing it out to see if you're able to, te uh, to snare a squirrel so you have something to eat, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd take the chances. And, you know, if you want to know how to make a snare, uh, it's pretty hard for me to explain right now, but basically you take a length of your snare wire, whatever it is, a foot long, on one end, you make a small little loop, and you just twist it nice and tight. You take your tail end, you put it through your loop, and you pull it till your your loop now is about an inch wide. And then you have a nice long tail section. That, you just wrap it around your running pole, and you just wrap it around uh, the wire itself, and set that up so it's about, an, I don't know, three quarters of an inch off that branch and you put that branch between two spruce trees then that way when the squirrel runs up the spruce tree he gets on that running pole he goes across there's that little snare that's about an inch wide that's about three quarters of an inch up perfect height for a running squirrel to go through it it'll catch him on his chest it'll tighten up it'll snap him off to the side and you'll sit there dangling and uh, you know within uh, a few seconds no more blood's going to his brain. He gets knocked out. After a couple of minutes of no blood supply to the brain, you're completely dead. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's e it's really easy to do. It's ethical. And uh, you can get a lot of meat off of a couple of squirrels. Uh, but anyways, that might be uh, one of the videos here in the future. Maybe what I'll do is I'll go out and I'll actually buy all of this stuff. And I'll build my own little survival kit. And I'll go to the woods for, you know, a couple of days. And I'll collect water. I'll use the tabs. I'll build the shelter. Use a nylon and a space blanket. I'll build a couple running pole sets. I'll snare some rabbits. Or I'll snare some squirrels. I'll cook them over the fire. Uh, you know. And I'll actually put this kit to the test uh you know i don't like telling people you know this is what you need when i don't use it kind of a thing uh so i mean at least this way if i build this kit you can see how it works up here in northern bc anyways uh you know if you're living on the coast maybe it's a little bit different maybe you want to throw in a couple of extra things you know that's why you need to test it out and find what works and you want to adjust the kit to your needs uh you know for me i've taken a first aid course every three years for the last 
however many years, like 12 years. So I think I've done six first aid courses. So I know CPR. I know basic bandaging. I know how to use, you know, a defibrillator or not a defibrillator, but like the AEDs. Uh, I've taken courses on how to get a person ready to transport in a helicopter. Uh, you know, so for me, I don't need a little first aid booklet. I don't need to know how to make a sling. I don't need to know how to use a tension bandage. But for somebody who hasn't done a first aid course, or maybe he's only done, you've only done, done a course once, maybe one of those small little first aid uh, booklets would be useful for you to have. You know, if you don't know how to clean a wound and to bandage it up properly, what's the point of having all this first aid uh, stuff with you, right? So it's just uh, another one of those things you have to be mindful of. And again, I can't stress enough, you need to test this stuff out. Uh, but anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you learned from, from it a little. Uh, you know, if you build this kit for yourself, please let me know how it worked for you. Uh, and also let me know how your testing went. I can't stress that enough. You have to know how to use this stuff. Uh, you can't just bring a survival kit with you and figure out how to use it while you're trying not to die, basically. So anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, if you're just listening to this, maybe give us a, a review on one of the podcast platforms that you're listening to it on. Uh, also, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, give us a like. Uh, maybe share it. Tell a friend or two. Uh, leave us a comment. Let me know how it all went for you. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we'll catch you on the next one.